Before I jump into today's podcast, just a quick little note before we get everything started off. I do all these things in one take, and sometimes some things don't come out the way that I intend them to be. So you're going to hear in the middle a little bit of an audio hiccup that I had to adjust because I do all this myself. And then secondly, you're going to hear some incorrect information. I'm going to talk about the strain Pineapple Express, and I'm going to give you the wrong lineage. And I do apologize about that, and that's why I'm recording this now. But the lineage of Pineapple Express is going to be a Hawaiian land race and a train wreck parent. And so you're going to understand why I said that in the beginning, but I had to make sure that this PSA went out before you started the episode so I didn't get people saying, like, hey, no, what's going on? So, yeah, you're going to hear a little bit of wonky audio in the middle of it, and that's why I'm giving you the correct information now. So when you get to that point, you can be like, man, Noah, you were wrong. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are, no matter what you are doing, thanks for tuning into the newest form of outreach education provided by Cure Pennsylvania, How To, From Cure To You, the podcast edition. It's me, your host Noah, back again with you with my silky smooth voice to dish out some wonderful cannabis knowledge here for you at home, in your car, in your bathtub, wherever you happen to be. But before we get started, I just want to say let's take a, a big deep breath and recognize that we have officially reached episode 20. Ah, yes. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, studio audience. You've been with me almost the whole way and it's been just fantastic to have you here but when I first started this podcast I did a lot of research on you know starting podcasts all that fun stuff and one of the big things that a lot of them said is that most podcasts die out usually after about six or seven episodes whether the people who are creating it just can't keep up the content there's not being distributed properly so on and so forth but that that six to seven range I'm like you know what that that's easy I can, I can beat that I can do that so when I first started this out I actually set myself up for a goal of 20 episodes I thought it was something that I could be able to achieve and lo and behold here we are we have made it to episode 20 through different interviews we have touched on so many different topics but the real big thing that needs to be addressed is you you listening at home in your car in your headphones or wherever you may be it's really about you and how thankful I am for you tuning in each time the episodes come in you know I hear positive comments feedback ratings everything like that I see it and I love it and it just that's really what has motivated me through this and that's Really how I've been able to achieve what I have been able to with this podcast is for you, the listener, you at home. So my goodness, give yourself a pat on the back, high five yourself in the mirror. I know we're all supposed to be quarantined right now. So if that's your only social interaction, then hooray. Um, you know, if you don't have somebody to high five, I guess that's something to do. I didn't really think about that after I said that, that you probably shouldn't be high fiving your own mirror. Maybe just give yourself a self five, you know, don't, don't even make the mirror involved. Just, you know, give yourself a nice little self five because darn it, I am here because of you and I'm going to continue to do this because of you and how much positivity you have shown me. So it's just my goodness. Thank you so much for being you. And today we're going to we're going to touch on a couple different things today. I'm excited. I'm going to jump around a little bit. I don't really have like a main general topic that we're going to dive deep down into. I have a couple little ones that we're going to go over today. And the first one that I'm going to touch on is going to be, uh, especially in the state of PA, we're hearing rumblings of uh, recreational, recreationalization of uh, cannabis. And for those of you who don't know what that big long word means that I sometimes mispronounce, it's basically meaning that giving access to marijuana, cannabis to adults 
adults over the age of 21 will have free access to, not free access to it, but will have access to marijuana or cannabis. Um, and they can come into a dispensary, pick it up. You just have to be over a certain age. Da, da, da. And when you first hear about it, you're like, man, that sounds great. But with each state taking their own approach to medical marijuana or just marijuana in general, we're seeing a couple different things in a couple different ways that states have tackled the recreational versus medicinal. So we're going to go into a couple different states uh, and see what their plans are, look at some pros, look at some cons, and see maybe you know what can come to Pennsylvania and maybe get some influence out there on what, how we can create the best program for our, the medical side of things as well as giving access to all adults, especially in the state of PA. Excuse me, the Commonwealth of PA. I'm still remembering that it's technically not a state, I guess. Um, we're going to touch on that a little bit. The next thing we're going to go into is I had somebody bring up the idea of pairing different strains with certain activities. Now that we started to understand a little bit more about cannabis and what drives certain things and what creates certain effects inside our body, we can really start to hone in on when we use certain strains and why we use certain strains at different times of day or with different activities. So we're going to take a couple different activities, whatever you like to do. I'm not going to touch on everything, but I'm going to take some general things that I've heard. Hey, if I'm doing this, what would you recommend? So we're going to jump into that a little bit, a couple ones. We're going to round this episode out. We've got a great Ask a Noah question. It's been a segment that has been a little forgotten, but darn it, I just love it. It was one of my first ones. We've got a good Ask a Noah question that's going to be here. And because it's episode 20, I'm going to give you my own little personal spiel about something that has nothing to do with cannabis and all to do about turn signals. I know you're scratching your head saying, Noah, why, am, why do I care about that? Well, honestly, I don't know if you do or not, but it's something that I feel like needs to be said at the moment, and darn it, it's episode 20, and I'm going to have some fun today. So we're going to jump right into it. Let's go ahead and start with that first topic. We're going to take on recreational versus medicinal marijuana. Now, grumblings about recreationalization, sorry, I have to you know really focus on that word, is that it's going to provide a lot of benefits. And it's basically, like I alluded to earlier, giving access to marijuana for all adults, all adults over the age of 21 and that sort of thing. Um, and so we're going to touch on what that normally looks like when, rec- uh, when a state goes rec. And one of the biggest things versus rec versus medical, and in, I'm going to use PA as an example right now, is in Pennsylvania, if you are using medical marijuana, marijuana, uh, you pay zero taxes, zero dollars in taxes, which is very key because this is treated as a medicine in the state of Pennsylvania. Medicine is not taxed and, or at least that's what I come to understand. I'm, you know, I'm not going to paint with such a broad brush, you know, in the state of Pennsylvania, your medical marijuana is not taxed, which is awesome. You are a medical patient and a lot of patients who are on SSI disability, things like that are basically a fixed income. That's something that's very key because you have to budget a lot for this because insurance doesn't help out right now. And so that's really the taxing of marijuana is the biggest difference between recreational versus medicinal because the majority of states, once they go recreational, will put a tax, a sales tax on it. And it's usually any Anywhere between 25 to 30 percent. You have to take a step back and really think about that uh, because that is a huge, huge number that's going to taxes right there. And the reason that it is is most states will tax this as a luxury item. Uh, right now. And that's just the way that most states are doing it. And so if you think about that, 20 to 30% of a tax on every single purchase that you make, if you, if we decide to go recreational and get rid of the medicinal marijuana program can start to really eat a hole in a lot of people's pockets. And so I'm going to start with the state of Washington. So what the state of Washington basically did was they were all sitting around a table. They had medical marijuana, things were going well. Um, and then they started to kick around the idea of making Washington a recreational state. 
And so the, the, the basis most logical argument that they could come up with uh, because they actually decided to scrap their medicinal program is that if we make it recreational in our state, why do we need to have a medicinal program? Why is that? If everybody has access to it, what's, what's the point going to be? And that in and of itself is not a very good mentality because you're not really thinking about those people on the fixed income. So Washington, you have it, they scrap the medical program, everybody has access to it. But when that occurs, you start to see a drop off as far as product quality and the type of information that you get. Um, when looking at things from a recreational side, especially from a business standpoint, it's all about how many people can I get in and out of that door? How many plants, how many products can I get into my shop to make a big, vast selection for the amount of people that I want to see? And the more people that we see, the better it is, because that's your basic retail mentality. You want to see as many patients, as uh, many people as possible. And so with that, and then having to you know, put on the sales tax, a luxury tax, a lot of medical marijuana patients in Washington have started to be referred to as marijuana refugees. Uh, just because they can't afford their medicine. Something that was not taxed before is taxed now at a great price. Not a, Excuse me, not a great price, a very terrible uh, tax number. And that's something that has eaten into those people's budgets who, like I was alluding to before, SSI, disability, uh, veterans who are on fixed incomes who cannot work are struggling to get their medicine because right now insurance won't help out um, as far in the majority of states in the medicinal side of things. And I will have to double check on that to be doubly sure. But I know that most insurance companies, because they expand over into different states and things like that, fall under federal jurisdiction. And because the federal government deems marijuana is still legal as a whole, you can't really get coverage for that. So you're having these people who are used to having a budget, paying a certain amount, this is what I need, this is my medicine, are now being forced into a different situation because going back to those people sitting around a table, it makes logically it makes sense. Yeah, everybody has access to it. So what's the point? Why would we need a medicinal program? Without really thinking about the specifics and how that can affect those type of people. And I also said earlier that uh, a degradation of products, um, when you're a grower, and just a recreational mindset of it. It's basically how many plants can you grow? How many products can you get out? How can you do it? You got a deadline. You got to meet A, B, and C. And if you don't, they're going to move on. And that's just the way that it is. So you see growers that will take, uh, that will take certain steps of the process out. Maybe they'll harvest a plant earlier or they won't purge it enough that it needs to go. So you start to see a decline in the quality of products that you have because these growers are put under a, a tremendous strain just to meet deadlines and meet certain quotas that if it was from the medicinal side of things, and we're going to go into the next state and show how the positives of having a medicinal program will help change the products. But in Washington, you're starting to see those people who needed that medical marijuana program that needed that, that have a fixed income needed that are starting to really get left behind. And some of them actually, uh, I looked in a couple different stories, have moved uh, to different states that allow no taxation on the medical marijuana uh, just because that's that's what they need. And it's something that Washington really failed to recognize as a necessity as part of the medicinal program that people needed that stability that the recreational market just wouldn't be able to provide. And so I know Washington is not a great example. You know, it's just, it's not fair if we're looking at this from a purely medicinal standpoint to just scrap the program because, well, everybody has access to it. Why do we need it? This, it's just, 
not thinking things through. And so it brings me to my next day. We're going to focus on Colorado next. Colorado did what I think was probably uh, something that a lot of states should mirror. And basically, once Colorado went recreational, they kept the medicinal marijuana program. And in fact, they started to differentiate between it. People who are growing uh, marijuana in Colorado have the option to either grow for themselves, grow for a recreational dispensary, or grow for a medicinal dispensary. And when you have people that just solely grow from the medicinal side of things. It's very important because it breeds a more quality product. You have, when you're going from a medicinal standpoint, yes, you still have deadlines, you still have quotas. Yes, things like that have to be met. But you're under a much less stress because it's not as high volume as you can see from the recreational side of things. So growers have the ability to take their time with their product, let the plant fully mature before it harvests, giving it a cure time or uh, in a lot of cure time to really bring out the best of those plants that sometimes get short-sighted in a recreational grower just trying to meet a deadline. So you're starting to see a great quality of products that gets only for the medicinal side of things because, you know, people need that. Patients need that medicine to help them get done what needs to get done or help prevent seizures or anything like that. But it's something that is very paramount when it comes to uh, the quality of product is really reflected on the medicinal side of things. And then the recreational side of things in Colorado, sometimes they don't have access to that, which is not I – w- I, it's hard to say that that's good – because I'm a patient and I'm thinking about it from that standpoint. Um, because if you're coming in from a recreational side of things, you don't have your medical marijuana card, you're, you're basically saying that this isn't something that I need, this is something that I want. And when it's something that you just want, whether you're just hanging out, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, you're just hanging out, I would rather people you know, consume marijuana than drink alcohol, but it's a want in that situation. And so, yeah, the more quality products are given to people who, are, who need it. And that, I feel like, is a great model to go off of. And when you go to Colorado, you'll see dispensaries might be split. One dispensary, you know, they might have just a, a tape marker down the middle or a rope that says medical on this side, recreational on this side. And you might see some differentiation in the products. But I feel like that's a good thing because the people who are looking for the recreational side of it are getting what they need. They're getting out in a timely manner and things like that. But they're also, you know, the patients that are in the medical program still have access to quality medicine as well as that education. It's something I forgot to touch on with Washington and how when you eliminate the medical program, the education side of it goes down. Why, why from a business standpoint, would you spend time with one person for 30 minutes going over every single product and that sort of thing from just a purely retail standpoint? Remember, why would you do that when you can get five or six people in and out of your shop to do that? And that would, you know, spend more money as opposed to that one person who needs to sit down and have that education. So with Colorado still having the medicinal program, you have people that are dedicated to still helping people from a patient first mentality. And then there are other people, whether you're in the dispensary or whatnot, uh, that are working on the recreational side of things that because those are two very different conversations that you have. And so I feel like Colorado is a wonderful model to look after as far as when Pennsylvania goes recreational, how we can keep the medicinal marijuana program and why we want to keep the medicinal marijuana program because of all those reasons that I listed earlier that, you know, Washington kind of failed to mention. And, you know, those are only just two states. Every Right now, because uh, the federal government is dealing with a whole bunch of other stuff that this is not something that they're really focused on, that, you know, some of these things are going by the wayside and it's being 
put it on the shoulders of the state. And so if we can start to look and see examples of positives and things like that, we can create something in Pennsylvania that encompasses all those good things that we're seeing from other states. And I feel like that's something that's going to be very key because I am a big proponent. We need to have a medical marijuana program. I believe it's something that should be in every state because it there is a need for this. This is a form of medicine that has been proven and shown to be beneficial in so many different ways that for people to sit around a table and say, well, we, if, if we make it recreational, everybody has access to it. It's just kind of foolhardy in my opinion. Um, we want that education. We want to take the time with patients and we want to be able to treat this as a medicine the way that it needs to be. And then from the recreational side of things, you're just coming in just to try it out, see what's up, ask questions, but having the medical marijuana program is something that means we will have a fallback as far as education goes for people who are really trying to treat things and that sort of thing. And, you know, as I'm thinking about this, as I'm talking, you know, I kind of sound like I'm coming across as I'm very anti-recreational. That's, that's not it. This is cannabis. It's been blown way out of proportion for far too many years. And I believe that all adults should have access to it, but I should, but I also believe more wholeheartedly that in that axis that there should be a separate category for medical marijuana. There's a need for it. And I believe that is something that deserves to stick around for how the impact that it has on so many different people's lives. And so, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of my spiel on it. I really hope that this is something that we proceed to in the future as far as for the state of Pennsylvania and, and for, the, for the country in general, but just for us not to get lapsadaisical about, you know, the importance of the medical marijuana program. And so right now I have my, oh, my lovely harpist is telling me that we are actually going to go to a podcast first. That's right. We have a commercial break. I can't believe it. I didn't think it would possibly happen, but somebody else wants their message told here on the podcast and darn it, I'm going to make it happen. So actually part of our podcast today is going to be brought to you by Smokers Marina located in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. If you're saying to yourself, hey, self, what in the world is Smokers Marina? Smokers Marina is basically a hemp healthcare store. They carry all different kinds of hemp-based products, which is mainly CBD-driven, and they're going to be, they have different flowers, oils, lotions, gummies, teas, so much more, and just wonderful people there at their hemp healthcare store. And if you're somebody that is kind of on the fence about medical marijuana, it actually is not a bad starting point to go in there. They have very educated people working there and they really just want to be there to help and i know what you're saying next what in the world is smokers marina what does that name mean well to answer your first one remember it's a hemp healthcare store but the name actually comes from a tribute to a family member that the owner actually lost uh, to cancer and her name was marina smoker and with some of the positives that we see with cannabis cbd and it comes to the treatment of cancer. It was something that was very near and dear to them. And they wanted to start a shop to basically help educate and help make hemp products more available to our community for the positives and benefits that they see. Now that I've got you hooked in, you're saying to yourself, hey, Noah, where are they located? Well, their address is 1873 Lincoln Highway East in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, just up the street from Walmart across from the Drake Pet Hotel. So when you're there, tell Tiani you said hi and that Noah Johnson sent you from the Cure Pen podcast and check it out. They have some great education in a wonderful shop in a very welcoming atmosphere. Whew. And we're back. 
did you enjoy that as much as I did? It just made me feel like my podcast is so much more professional. So thanks for being a part of that. And thanks, shout out to Smokers Marina uh, for wanting to be part of the podcast. So we are back. And like I said, we are going to jump around to a couple different topics today. And so this next one, when somebody came up to me, was like, you know, we're understanding the effects so much and what cannabis can do. Now I really want to start to tailor my cannabis to what I need. It's something that I think is so critical, especially when looking at things from a medicinal standpoint, being able to pinpoint exactly what your strain is going to do inside your body. So before we jump into that, we're going to talk a little bit about terpene modulation and something I've touched on. It, it feels like almost every episode, but that's really the importance of this is terpene modulation because any, everything that I'm about to give you here is always going to be through the inhale approach because we can only feel the strain-specific effects uh, through the inhale approach thanks to terpene modulation. Basically what that means is that when we heat up our cannabis, THC becomes volatile and will combine with the terpenes, the smell and taste of your flower, to create each desired effect inside your body. So imagine that uh, THC is driving the car. Basically, your terpenes are your directions on where the car is going to go inside your body. I thought that was a pretty appropriate analogy. Hopefully, that helps explain the picture a little bit more but uh, just trust me on this. Terpene modulation can only occur through the inhale approach. If you're like, no, I don't know about that. Go back, I believe, to the very first episode, the very, very, very first episode, 19 episodes ago. Uh, that's literally the first thing that I talk about. And I go into a little bit more depth about that and the importance of terpene modulation. So if you really are like, no, I'm not sure what you're saying, go back to episode one, listen into that, and then maybe give me some feedback if you still disagree with me. But we're going to move forward with this because we understand that terpene modulation that strain-specific effect basically happens when you have the inhale approach. And before I start going to these topics, please, please, please remember I am just a very, very passionate advocate when it comes to cannabis. Nothing that I'm going to tell you is directly medicinal advice or should be taken so um, as, you know, doctrine, I guess. We're all different people. We all, you know, if we have the same strain, you and me, that's why I'm talking to you that's listening to right now, we can inhale the same strain and have two different very effects. And that's just the way because we're two different people. Our body processes and metabolizes cannabis in two different ways, very, very similar ways, but there might be some slight difference between each person. So the first thing that I thought about that I get a lot of questions for of um, parent strain pairings is uh, people that want to work out jog running. I think that's a great thing uh, to do, especially uh, you know with cannabis because it's something that can make it easier to deal with and less stressful. Because you know when you're jogging, you're running, you're working out, it's just you're doing the same thing kind of over and over again. You need to break up the monotony, and cannabis sometimes helps you do that. Um, but if you're going to be doing something that's a very uh, you know uh, cardiovascular, something that's going to put a strain on your lungs a little bit, um, I want you to inhale. And then wait until your peak subsides. Basically, when you inhale cannabis, you get this rush of medication as it's absorbed and processed in your body and in your bloodstream. And we feel those big effects, and especially right when we first inhale after the first couple of minutes, and that's known as the peak. Essentially, when the peak uh, comes on when you inhale cannabis, sometimes that can bring on a little bit of tachycardia, which is the fancy-schmancy word for a rapid heart rate. And if you have a rapid heart rate, we don't want to start into a cardiovascular uh, you know, activity. Because that can cause some strain on your heart. And the last time I checked, your heart is pretty key when it comes to, you know, 
living and stuff. So basically what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to let that peak subside. And then once that peak subsides, you're going to start to feel that, you know, all right, I'm ready to do this. And now for strains that we're looking for for exercise and working out or things like that, we're going to focus on two terpenes. The first one we're going to talk about is pinene. It's basically the smell and taste of, you guessed it, pine. Uh, But the reason that pinene is important is because it actually works as a bronchodilator. It actually opens up the lung, uh, your lung airways and things like that. And so having pining as part of that allows your lungs to be a little more open so you can get some more oxygen in and as you're working out because, you know, as your body is working hard, you're using more oxygen. You need more to come in. I'm not a doctor, but, you know, that's just pretty common sense. So by having pining as part of your strain, your bronchi, those dilators are opened up, you're receiving more oxygen, and it's being dispersed through your body a little bit easier. So that's really one of the big things that I tell people to focus on is find a strain with a little bit of pining in it. Uh, and the other terpene to look out for would be terpeniline. Terpeniline has this kind of a citrusy sort of smell and taste to it, almost tropical. Um, but the reason that that guy's important is usually when combined with THC, it provides some stimulation and uplift. If you're using cannabis before you work out, you don't want that lethargy. You don't want that heaviness to be there. You want to be able to get going wherever you need to get going, basically. As you're working out, you want to push through that next set, run through that next mile or whatever. And terpeniline has that very light effect inside your body to kind of stimulate and motivate you through going on. So I think those two, pinene and terpeniline, are actually pretty important when it comes to what strain are you going to consume before you exercise. Whoa! looks like we brought out the gong for this one so let's just keep that on our brains the uh next activity i thought about and these are i'm, I'm hoping are very common activities um i'm not going to obviously touch on every activity that you do when you are medicating but you know these are i, I got four here and i think we're going to encompass a lot of different things so this next one i'm going to have is movies tv video games basically you're hanging out on the couch which is great to do sometimes you've had a long day and you just got to relax and that's literally what the couch is there for so you want to pop on the tv maybe put in a new video game who knows but what kind of strains are you going to pair with that? And I think one of the big ones, I'm going to start with actually a strain in and of itself because it's one of my favorites if you listen to, I don't know, maybe about two episodes ago, um, is Granddaddy Purple or GDP. Ooh, goodness gracious, I love that strain and I won't stop talking about it. And it's really cool because the effects that you're looking for when doing this, you're, you know, you're relaxing on the couch. You don't want to get up and do anything. You just want to be chill. You want to be in that very feel-good mood. You want to enjoy whatever you're going to be watching it. Maybe you're watching The Office for the sixth or seventh time in the run-through of it. And, you know, you just want a little, you know, a little more giggliness, a little more euphoric nature to it. And so two terpenes to focus on when it comes to when you're schmoozing on the couch, relaxing or playing a video game is first is going to be limonene. Uh, or limonene, depends on how you pronounce it. But basically, that's your citrusy smell and taste, and predominantly around lemons. And what limonene, limonene does... <laughs> sometimes I mess myself up, is actually creates that euphoric nature, that very giggly, feel-good atmosphere to it, which is, you know, it's pretty key when you're when you're watching or playing entertainment. So having that nice euphoric nature puts you in that good mood and relaxes you. Well, not relaxes you, but it just puts you in a good mood. And the next terpene to look out for would be linalool. And linalool is a smell and taste of lavender. And that's got this very calming, relaxing effect to it because you're on the couch. You're, you're relaxing. You don't want to do anything. So combining that feel-good, euphoric nature of limonene and pairing it with that calming, relaxing feel of linalool, you get this combination that's going to be like, I'm enjoying what I'm watching right here in front of me or what I'm playing here, but I really don't want to get up and do anything else because that's key. You're relaxing. You just want this cannabis to help you relax. So I think focusing on limonene and linalool um, are great, uh, great things to focus on when looking for a very relaxing, calming strain. 
But darn it, we have stuff to do. You've got stuff to do. You've got some ways you want to express yourself in a very creative way. Maybe you want to dance. Maybe you want to, maybe you want to paint. Maybe you want to write. What a, a creative artistic expression is something that cannabis can really help out with. Being able to perceive a little bit more uh, when medicated is something that will kind of open you up and maybe have you think of things differently or things like that. But let's talk about some things that we're going to pair uh, with our creative expressions. That's what I'm calling this, our creative expressions. And we're going to bring limonene back into it. This is the first terpene we're going to talk about. Because of that euphoric nature, that feel good, I know that especially for me, if I'm doing something creative, if I'm writing or doing something like that, I'm very critical of myself and I'm very you know, judgmental on what I write. Do I like that? Do I not like that? Da, 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 da. So kind of having that limonene in your system, that euphoric, hey, this feels good, this, this is looking good, you know, it really kind of de-stresses you and allows a lot of those ideas to flow. You might revisit some of them later and be like, man, that was dumb. But, you know, in the time being, the more ideas that you have as a brainstorming session, the better. And so I think that's a really key component to have is that limonene to really start us off as far as a ter- uh, our terpene goes. And then also the next one to look at, like we touched on a little bit earlier, is terpenaline, that lightness, that stimulation, that motivation to keep you going through what you used to. Not only are you getting a lot of ideas, you have ideas that you're going to continually move and go through and, you know, let you let your mind kind of wander, which is great. So the combination of limonene and terpenaline are something that are going to be great to have if you're trying to express yourself in some sort of creative way, which is just very healthy from a mental health standpoint. If you're not having a creative outlet, I highly, highly recommend it, especially like let's take drawing or painting or something like that. You're not going to go sell it in an art show. You're not going to go post it up on your refrigerator and be like, hey, guys, yo, check out this flower I painted. No, it, it it's your own personal way, but it's a great way to express some of those feelings and emotions that you have. So I'm a very big proponent of it. You know, like I said, this is your own personal thing. This is own for you. And so having a creative outlet is just good for your mental health. And that's just going to be a little bit of a PSA there for you. And oh, thank you. Thank you, studio audience. I mean, I care. I care in a lot of different ways. So thank you for that, studio audience. But limonene, dropinolene, two great terpenes to focus on when having a creative outlet. Uh, and a good strain for that one I would highly recommend is actually Island Sweet Skunk. It was considered one of the happiest strains created by cannabis. And so having that in your system, if you're having a creative expression, is going to be just a great pairing for you to get through whatever it is that you're getting through. Now, finally, the last activity that we're going to kind of talk about is uh, being outside. I turned to uh, one of my coworkers and I said, hey, man, what is one thing that you like to do as I'm, you know, I'm coming up with ideas for the podcast? I'm like, hey, what's one activity you like to do when you medicate? And he goes, you know, I like being in my garden. I said, what a great what a great thing. First off, the weather is getting better because it's summer. So what a great thing to do. But secondly, being outside is a great great thing to do as you're medicated if you have the ability to go outside um you know in the midst of social distancing and that sort of thing going on a hike being outside in your garden they're great ways to be outside being in fresh air having the sun on your body uh just puts you in a little bit of a better mood but it's something it's a great thing to do so i thought about to myself you know what are what do we want to have as far as a terp uh like a terpene profile if we're going to be outside whether it's going on a hike whether we're working in the garden da, da, da. um so the first thing that i came back with this actually made an appearance in three of the four activities that i've said is is once again going to be limiting that that euphoric nature that it can bring on that positive atmosphere that you can bring really helps you keep going in whatever it is that you're doing and i think that's pretty key if you're working outside or you go on a hike you want to keep going you want to be in a good mood you want to experience everything that you have around you and it's so much easier to take in all those experiences when you have a smile on your face so limiting great one to start off with the next terpene that i would probably look for is beta caryophyllene 
And the reason I thought about this a little bit was because uh, beta-carophylline actually works as an anti-inflammatory agent. And uh, my wife just started up her garden, and she gets on her knees. She's uh, she's in the garden. She's, you know, troweling or whatever. I don't know a lot about gardening. I apologize. But she's doing stuff uh, in, in very strange positions. And so with that, you know, your body starts to ache a little bit more. And so beta-caryophyllene starts to eat away at inflammation inside your body that can accrue in joints over, you know, long periods of time. So, you know, with gardening, you have the dexterity of your fingers, your knuckles, your joints, things like that can really start to, you know, bother you after a while. So medicating with a strain that's got beta-caryophyllene allows you to do those, you know, small little things with your fingers or whatever that need to be uh, to kind of go through. And then, you know, let's talk about hiking in that realm. A lot of walking is, you know, hard on your knees and your feet and things like that. And inflammation will build up from there. So medicating with beta-caryophyllene is something that's going to allow you to kind of keep going and push you through some of those aches and pains that might occur uh, as you're hiking because, you know, that's just hiking. It's also another form of exercise. Uh, but being outside is something that is a great thing to have. And so uh, those two terpenes, limonene, beta-caryophyllene, are two things to really focus on when it comes to those guys. And uh, going back to the coworker I was talking about, I said, well, are there any particular strains that jump out at you as something that is, you know, you know, effective or good for you while you're gardening? He goes, gelato. And I said, ooh, what a great what a great answer. What I loved about gelato was the the nice calming effect that it has. It's still a little bit light in your system, not a very pronounced peak, which I really like, especially if you got stuff going on, but it's there. It's in your system. It's nice calming, but it allows you to kind of do what you need to do. I thought it was a beautiful strain selection for this. So uh, shout out to him for that. So if you're looking for a specific strain while you're being outside, gelato. If you're looking for specific terpenes, limonene, beta-caryophyllene. And you know, those were the those are the four activities I thought were most prevalent. Um, if you guys have some other ones, or you're like, hey, Noah, what do you think about this? I'd be happy to answer them because that's going to bring me into my next segment here, uh, the Ask a Noah segment. That is correct. Ask a Noah, my favorite segment. Been around since the very beginning, and this is my biggest way that I communicate with you. If you go to my podcast page at curapen.com forward slash podcast, uh, you'll see a section that says Ask a Noah. It'll put your name, email, and then you'll ask me a question. Those emails get sent directly to me, and I get to answer them basically here on the podcast. And it's something that if you have a question in your brain, you want a little bit more knowledge. Because remember, whenever I get a question, I always do as much research as I can because I want to give you the most accurate information possible. So this guy is something that I started because I want you, the patient, to feel like you have a hand in the show because you guys, like I said earlier, are what keep me going. So if you do have a question burning in your brain or, hey, you just want to say hi, drop me a line right there. Hey, no, you're doing a great job. That's super duper because it puts a big old smile on my face and makes me feel like I'm actually doing something and not just talking into a void. So I got a great question for today's Ask a Noah segment. And it says, Dear Noah, how do growers come up with those crazy names that you see? And also, why do they label them sativa hybrid and indica, or how do they come up with that? Well, random person that sent me that, here's a great answer. Growers' names are actually something that can be created in and on the spot wherever. Um, most of the time, especially back in the day before you know ramped up scale of production when it comes to mar- marijuana, is you would basically take strains pair them together through a phenotype and genotype rating process, which I did talk on in a previous episode. Um, but you're basically taking two strains. Let's see here. I'm, I'm just going to put two together here. Uh, that's got a great name to it. Um, let's take, uh, you know, let's, you know, we're going to use a bad example. 
So we're going to take a bad example of Pineapple Express. Not saying the strain is bad or anything itself. Great strain. Love the name. Whatever. But how do they come up with the name Pineapple Express? Because if you look at the lineage, it's OG Kush crossed to a front cross of Durban. So how in the world do they come up with Pineapple Express? I don't know. Because basically when a grower is able to create a new strain that they're able to replicate over and over again that's different from what they have out in the market right now, they can call it whatever they want. They can call it the Snickelfritz 3000. They can call it, uh, as long as it's not a trademark issue, Like you can literally call your strain whatever you want. You created it. That's what it is. So back in the day when you would have two strains together, um, you know, I got skunk number one and I got a lemon. Lemon OG, let's throw them together. We get lemon skunk. Um, and that's normally what they did to make sure that you understood the lineage of the plants and you kind of had a general idea of what the effects were. But now with ramped up production and scaling, growers will call it literally whatever they want. I was, uh, I have worked in the industry outside of Pennsylvania and I was talking with a buddy of mine and their uh, dispensary, they had a strain called sage, but it was back crossed. So there was an X afterwards. So it was st- sage. Backcross or Sage X was written on the package. Um, somebody apparently had very, very terrible handwriting. So when they got a batch in, they wrote Sage, but instead of writing an X, they almost made it look like a T. And they liked it so much that they're like, you know what? We're just going to call the strain the Saget. And that's where the name actually came from. And, and I'm pretty sure you can still find it at their dispensary. Um, but like little things like that are actually where it creates. So the downside to all that is, is the name is starting to really lose its importance. But with that, we're starting to see some better things, uh, and I'm going to touch on that a little bit later. But it's kind of the downside that with the renaming of a lot of different things, we're starting to lose what the actual lineage is. You can't just hear a name now and be like, oh, that's A and B. That creates A, B, or whatever. You can't really do that anymore, um, which is kind of sad. Because what a lot of growers will do is they will classify their strains as sativa, hybrid, and indica. But as I've talked about before with terpene modulation on this episode and every episode before this one or whatever, um, you know, they they don't have time to really look at that. They have a lot of stuff that they have to do. They have labels they have to print. So basically what they do is when they classify something sativa, hybrid, and indica, they go based on the lineage. If it has two indica parents, They're going to label it as an indica, no matter what the terpene profile is or creates. If they have like a sativa and indica parent, you're going to make that a hybrid and that sort of thing. And that's how the classification goes because, you know, you're creating a bunch of different labels for products. You're not going to take each individual profile, manipulate the label because it's just a very time consuming process. And that's where we at the dispensary come in to make sure that we're giving you the most accurate information possible that says, hey, this might be labeled as an indica, but it's got a strong amount of terpenaline. I don't think it's going to be as heavy as you want. Or this this is labeled as a sativa, but it's got a whole bunch of myrcene and linalool. So you're going to have a very indica dominant effect. And that's where our communication with you, the patient, comes into key. But growers don't really have that luxury to sit down and look at each individual one. They're looking at things from a mass scale of things. So they're not only so when they're classifying something sativa hybrid indica, it's usually based on their lineage. And then the naming, like I said before, just comes from the creative expression of a person. They can call something whatever they want, because that's their plant. So normally back in the day, you want to keep it true to you know represent the history and the lineage of it. But now, since we have all these different things and so much ramped up productions, people are creating so many different things from so many different parents that they're just basically calling it whatever they want. And you know what? I hope that answering your question, random person, because that's really all I can think about on the subject. I know I feel like I did talk about a lot there. Um, but if you have a question... Submit it. Ask a note. I love it. I love it. And maybe, who knows, maybe I'll give you a shout out if you leave me your name because random person didn't leave me their name. Uh, Hence random person. But we're going to take a brief turn. Somebody break out that gong. This has been a very 
gong heavy episode. Uh, that's because I got a lot of different things I like to talk about. It's got a couple different lists in them. So thanks for bearing with me. If you don't like the sound of the gong, hey, drop me a line at the Ask Anoa. Say like, hey, stop with the gong, please. Or maybe a new sound effect would be good. I'm still looking for it. And remember, I produce my own show. So I'm just going through this as new as you are. Um, but since it's the 20th episode, I wanted to get a little bit personal. And this is not personal as of where, oh, no, that's really sad. It's, uh, it's, it's personal as in just a, a problem that I see on a daily basis. And I thought if there was any a platform to, for me to start, you know, getting on my soapbox about something that was not cannabis related, I thought now would be the time. It's my 20th episode. I'm enjoying myself right now. So I wanted to talk about something. We all, you know, the vast majority of us drive. We drive our own car, we're on the highway, we're on the road, whatever. Most of us know how to drive a car and know and understand the rules of the road. But one facet that I feel like that gets really overlooked and something that is so emblematic of our society around us right now is the turn signal. The turn signal is incredibly important in, for the safety of your vehicle and the others around you. And that's really the big thing is your turn signal is emblematic of how you view others in your society around you. And I know you're like, Noah, what? Well, let me tell you here why. Your turn signal is nothing. When you put your turn signal on, that is not for you. You are not doing that because, well, I need to know where I'm turning or da 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 No, you know where you're going. You, it's your car. You're driving wherever you need to go. GPS is telling you where to go. So, so why bother with a turn signal? The turn signal is there to help others, to help the people around you. If I'm driving the car behind you, I know, oh, hey, you're merging over. Or if you're merging onto the ramp, hey, I know you're getting over. The turn signal is very important, but it's a way that it's, it's got nothing to do with you, the driver, but it has everything to do with people around you. And I feel like that's so emblematic of what we're dealing with as far as society today is that right now we're, at, we're being asked to do a lot of things that personally don't really make sense to you or you don't believe in or whatever, but it's something to help the society as a whole. So the next time you're driving on the road, I want you to think about your turn signal. Hey, am I somebody that turn uses my turn signal a lot? Because my sometimes my wife will yell at me, I would use my turn signal when, you know, in my apartment complex parking lot. Like, hey, I'm gonna be parking here. I'm I really overuse it because it's it's not just about me. It's about everybody else and showing and understanding that we're all kind of in this together. And so Next time you're in the car and you're not somebody that uses your turn signal, remember to yourself, it's not about you. Unless you're somebody that just really likes the, you know, the blinking noise that comes with your turn signal. It's, it's for everybody else. And that's how you show what kind of person you are. If you are willing and concerned about other people, a turn signal is a way that shows that. I know it's something small. But I have a platform to say something, and darn it, this is something I've been wanting to say about for a while, actually, but like really in the beginning of the podcast where everything was so new, and I'm like, i got to stick to this, and i got to do that. Now I kind of have a little more range of motion since things are going a little bit better as far as uh, you know the podcast itself. So next time you're in the car, think to yourself, hey, let's use our turn signal because it's not about me. It's about everybody else and keeping everybody else safe. And so I just want you, it's a personal thing of mine. Just wanted to put it in there. I thought if I'd ever said something, I would be kind of mad at myself. So next time, let's use a turn signal. When you're merging in, let that person know behind you. I don't care if there's nobody on the road because that's just the biggest test of character is if there's nobody on the road and you need to merge over, throw your turn signal on because it reminds you that you're a human being that thinks about other human beings, even if those people aren't around. So there it is. There's my two cents. Who knows what the studio audience will think about that. And Oh, look at that. They, they love when I get up on my soapbox. And darn it, I love it too. And so, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Now with that, sorry, I'm going to take a deep breath here. 
Sorry, that was turn signal is very impersonal to me. I don't know why. I just see it every day when I'm driving. You don't use turn signal. It just bothers me. Sorry. I know we were done with it. I'm moving on, I promise. Uh, because we're actually reaching the end of this episode. This was a much longer episode. As you can hear my voice, this episode actually has been a lot of fun, and I've accomplished a goal that I set out for me, and it's really in part thanks to you, the listener, and I really couldn't have done this without you and all the positivity that I see. So once again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Now, I want to tell you about some couple other shows that will be coming up in the future, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, my pharmacist, Nancy, will be coming back into the booth as one of my recurring guests. Uh, because if you remember, we are we started to do a little bit of a, uh, a qualifying condition journey or condition-specific episodes uh, based on the qualifying conditions here in the state of Pennsylvania. Thanks to COVID and life, uh, that got nixed because I couldn't really be next to anybody uh, when I was doing this. So that kind of got put on hold. So now that I've started to figure out, I'm going to be able to get other people in the booth here with me, obviously at a safe distance. Uh, but Nancy's going to be joining me back again for a future episode. She's going to sit down and talk with us a little bit about fibromyalgia, what it is, how it is treated, how medicinal marijuana can potentially help with that, and dealing with life in and of itself. So that's something to look on in the next. I'm also going to be joined again in another episode. With which one will come first? I don't know. Uh, if you tuned into my last episode uh, for the month of June about Pride, you met my uh, my friend Dan. Uh, Dan works here in the shop with me. He's actually going to join me again. I just had a lot of fun with him. So I'm going to bring him back, and we are actually going to take each individual grower processor in the state of Pennsylvania, and we're gonna basically going to break them down. The good what products that they do. I don't really want to focus on the bad because in light of everything that's going on right now, everybody does something well, and I'd rather focus on that. It might just be one thing that they do well, but darn it, that's what we're going to focus on. So we're going to take each individual grower and we're going to, we're going to highlight them, highlight certain products, what they do well. And you know, if you're somebody that's still not sure about a lot of the different companies that we have here, it's something that's going to be pretty educational for you. And I, I'm actually really excited for it because there is a little part of it that goes into like judging things and darn it. I love judging marijuana. Uh, and then finally, as, as a big, big, big thank you, we are going to run another listener contest for you guys coming up here in the next episode. So be on the lookout for that. I've got to hash out the rules and regulations, but if you guys did not get a chance to, there was a listener contest from the month of May was basically people just asked it, uh, submitted an Ask a Noah question. I pulled a random name from all the people that submitted in a question, and blam, that person, Lindsay, won a wonderful swag set. It completed with a, like a hat, a reusable bag. We got some uh, grower processor swag, two terrible movies that I don't think she's watched yet, uh, handpicked by me. And yes, they were terrible, found in the dollar bin at your Walmart. When you're wondering and you're walking by and you're like, who in the world would buy those movies? These are the reasons that we buy those movies. So be on the lookout for that. I'm going to hash out the ideas of what I want it to be or what we're going to do. But it's probably going to be another swag bag. Uh, I just got to put it all together for you. And who knows a little bit of... Uh, I don't know what's going to be in it, but darn it, that's really the mystery that I'm trying to pull here. We want some intrigue going into it, so be ready for another listener contest coming up here in the future. But really, that's it. It's it's episode 20. I can't believe I got here, and I can't believe I'm going to continue. Never in my wildest dreams would I thought that I've gotten to this point. So thank you once again from the bottom of my heart how much you are appreciated as a listener because I cannot do this without you. So thank you so much. And remember, please be safe in these times. And from all of us here at Cure, to you at home, you stay classy, Pennsylvania.